Hi, welcome to Time Capsule, my magazine interview podcast. I'm Tony Tolado, and this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. John Delancey talked to me about his new venture with his son, Fanfare Signatures. I'm going to talk about Fanfare Signatures. It's actually a company your son actually developed, and... Uh, and it was actually one of the things that happened during COVID. It was like, you know, people weren't getting signatures and there were no conventions. So he came up with a really great idea. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty neat. So how did that, well, you obviously are related, but did he approach you about this too? Or how did that work? Well, he did. And in, in, in the usual, you know, fashion of a, you know, the old stick in the mud dad, <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, people aren't interested. No, that's you know, that won't work and stuff like that. I mean, it came out of this. And that is, is that uh, during COVID people, you know, I, 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 he's the one who my son, Owen, helped me set up a, 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 a website and all that type of stuff. And, and he would be fielding most of the letters and things like that and things that he, he saw that I should see, he would send them on and I would address them. But he was seeing a lot of things say, saying, oh, wow, what are we going to do now that, you know, COVID and COVID lasted for quite a while. We forget how quickly we forget that, um, you know, uh, uh, getting food delivered from the grocery store or, you know, or, or, or I'll rush in and I'll, you know, wash myself in Clorox and stuff like that. Okay. So, um, so uh, he, from that, he got this idea. And the idea was, is that, is that, Gee, this is these are people who um, would like these these autographs and signatures, and I can provide that because he already had a company that was manufacturing in thirty different sites around the world all of his maps and things like that. He said I could provide that. I at that point said, Oh no, I don't think people would be interested. Well, he said, Dad, can I just? show you let's see and within about a couple of months having done all the work and created new artwork and stuff like that because he's a designer he sent it out without me even knowing about it and then he said by the way about three weeks ago i sent out these things and you've gotten this amount of response and i was like oh wow so he said, could you bring, do you think that there will be others of your friends who would be interested? And, um, and I said, sure. So I talked to Armin and, um, and Bob Picardo and Kate Mulgrew. And, you know, I, I talked to all these people and they said, sure. One of the things that's really sort of nice about it um, is, is that it also, there, there are a lot of people, obviously they're the people who come to the conventions. But there are many people who are writing him saying, this is, this is wonderful. I'm not somebody who either can afford to come to a convention because when you think about it, oftentimes it's an airplane flight, a hotel, the convention itself, on and on, or they're in locations that are so far away 
that the, he will get responses, Owen will get responses or letters saying, you know, this gives me an opportunity to participate without all of the um, brouhaha that goes into having to actually be there on site. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. What makes these also a little different, and that is, is that I will get on my iPad, I will get, uh, coming from Owen, um, Bob uh, would like you to say, you know, the trial never ends on this poster. And then Bob will also write, this is the, the fan, this is for, and this happened just couple days ago. This is for my 91-year-old dad, who was a Trek fan all the way through and, you know, was a, whatever he was, he was a principal of a school. So the trial never ends will really mean a lot to him. So, you know, you know, so I will be able to write, you know, Bob, uh, you know, um, the trial never ends. And thanks for, for having been, you know, the principal of a school for so many years and, and helping helping the kids. So and then it's sent out. So so it's become um, uh, it, it's an idea that uh, really works. And now it's for um, it's for people to find out about it. No, it, it's great. And and the fact that you could sign it digitally and the cool thing is the signatures are not going to smudge or anything like that, like they would have you signed a photo. So that's that's really cool. It, it is. Um, I mean, um, digital has a little bit of a of a negative context because there's one is sort of under the impression that one just stamps out. I write my name once and it's just the same all the way. So what we're saying is that they are virtual. And in point of fact, I write to that person. Each person I write to is to that person. And somebody uh, at a convention actually brought me uh, one of the posters. And they said, oh, we just wanted to show you this. And I was very interested in looking at the signature, in looking at, at it. And I went, oh, isn't this, isn't this interesting? My signature and what I have written is, is, is bolder and, and better, better scribed um, uh, than what I'm doing here in front of you with, you know, with my Sharpie that's, you know, that's not working quite as well and all, all that type of stuff. So, so I was very impressed with all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, really cool. And the artwork is phenomenal. The Q poster is great because it has like all the different literations that we've seen throughout the years that he's played, that uh, you played. And uh, it's, it's really a, it's really a neat idea. And uh, yeah, I mean, the people you've gotten on board, you mentioned Bob Picardo, uh, Nana Visitor signed something as well. And, uh, and yes, and also also. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, gosh, no, the, the name just escaped me. Um, the science guy. Um, yeah, Bill Nye. Bill, Bill. Yeah, Bill Nye, yeah. Bill Nye is doing them. And, you know, and, and, and uh, um, he's also, I mean, now, now other companies are beginning to see, oh, this would be really helpful for, for us. Uh, this is a good way to do it. And also, you know, when you, when you order, you can order, 
I, I don't know what the what the sizes are, you know, an eight by ten or a twelve by whatever. But you can order different sizes. And one of the things in which uh, Owen uh, and his partner, his wife, they they went to architecture school. They're designers. The quality of things is important to them. And one of the things in which I uh, was particularly taken by was the quality of the paper. And um, I talked to Owen about it and he said, look, you can choose all sorts of different levels. And our feeling was this. If you get a small one, why would you get a, a lesser level of paper than if you got the best one, the biggest one? Yet. So we just decided on things that ha had to do with, or he said, I, I decided that every, all, all the paper would be the best. It would be the, you know, acid free museum quality paper. This is interesting on the origins of Q's persona. You know, it was originally uh, Corey Allen who was thinking, uh, who, di who, di who directed um, Farpoint, kept on saying to me, no, I want them really hard. I want them, you know, really like that. And I kept on going, you know, Corey, um, if you do it that way, if I do it that way, the audience will turn off because they will end up, they will create a trajectory that they can anticipate whatever happens this q character will always be hard and you know and, and it, it makes me it makes me two-dimensional and i think that there's so much more in this it could be there could be sort of amusing it could be heartfelt it could be vicious it could be it, all sorts of things so that so that the audience is never sure of what's going to happen next and therefore the character will become more interesting jonathan frakes on battling a deadly disease and star trek picard a disease so horrible that shows no mercy pancreatic cancer but there is hope in the organization pancan which fights the dreaded disease with research treatment and hope to end it for good the, the first thing I want to talk about is I saw something. A young lady did a video uh, on the PanCam uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter, not Twitter, uh, Instagram. <laughs> oh, Instagram. Right. Yeah. And, and she was talking about her. I think her father passed away from um, the uh, the disease and the the thing about getting genetic testing. But but you also focus on a specific gene which is, I believe, the BRCA2 gene. And that determines if you are susceptible. And I'm glad that, you know, we talked about it before, but I'm glad it's getting more... Uh, more specific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you are really on the cutting edge of this. Well, you know, it's, you know, my, my wife's aunt passed away last year, uh, almost about this time, too. Uh, actually, it was it was early it was early January. But had, she been, be, I, had she been given a uh, prognosis of how long she was going to live, and then she beat those odds. Uh, oh, that's but, good. But eventually, it it just it just won out. You know, it just it's so hard at that point to uh, you know to 
to uh, to fight it. So it was it was bad. That's it's that's the thing. It's um, there are so many other cancers that are testable, if you will. Yeah, and um, there's a certain logic to it that you can you can follow with your annual checkups, and it's it's like getting a mastectomy. I say it's it's part of every woman's life. It seems to me. Yeah, yeah. and um, this feels like a fight that needs better tools, better weapons to fight. And uh, hopefully the money that's being raised and the awareness about the cancer itself. I mean, the the the, uh, the numbers here that surprised me were the, the, how few people really understand or know anything about this cancer, except that, you know, Alex Trebek and right. Buddy Swayze and Michael Land. I mean, you know, and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when when famous people die of a cancer that they haven't heard of, all of a sudden there's an awareness. I mean, that's a bizarre kind of bleak yeah. reality. Yeah, we just lost uh, Peter Scalos, who is a voice actor. Yeah. He, in the Transformer universe, and uh, he's gone. And I didn't know this either, but Aretha Franklin, that's what she died from. I didn't know that either until um, uh, Stephanie or, or Julie told me it was... It's just, well, and Aretha was very big in our house. Oh, wow. My, my father was a very big Aretha fan, and he used oh, to tell man. us as children that the cat that we had, which was named Bix after Bix Spiderback, that after we had all gone to bed, if he was playing Aretha, Bix would actually dance in the living room, but we never got to see that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, she was, man. Legend just doesn't seem to describe her. She right. too much. I couldn't agree more. She, too much. And, and Peter, you know, a lot of people grew up watching him as a kid, you know, and uh, and never realized it. So it's, uh, you know, it's famous people, but also people that are close to us and loved ones. And and now because of, uh, you know, through marriage, it touched my family now. So yeah. uh, it's. Well, it's interesting. But once you scratch it, it's. Uh like all things, excuse me, with families, they all seem to uh, reveal certain, I mean, in this case, a connection, but in other cases, you scratch any family and you find all kinds of stuff. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Just lastly, uh, there the thing I loved about the card season three that we didn't see in the series mm -hmm. was an argument between Riker and Picard. Oh, what a scene that was. What Get off my bridge. Yes. Oh, Patrick and I both were so thrilled to see that they, and that was Terry Metalis. He came to us individually. He came to us collectively and talked about the characters in a way that he, um, he really loved the next gen. Oh yeah. And the stories and the characters and Patrick, as we, as he reported publicly, you know, he signed up to do Picard without the rest of us, consciously and very, very specifically. And as he gradually let some of us in in season one, uh, Troy and Riker showed up and Data was sort of in and out, a little bit of Q. And, and Terry pitched him this story, this wonderful story of going to have oh. to save, to save uh, Crusher and involving his buddy Riker. And, and, and it, was, um, it was doled out in a way as my wife again said to me, the um, each character's entrance was earned. Yes, and each character's entrance 
helped to be a solve a, a piece to the puzzle solving process. It was really a, a very special season of TV. I think whether I was in it or not, but I was I was it was really exciting, and I think it it certainly resonated with the the hardcore trekkers from way back, and I think we found some new people as well. So that was a one of the high points. Not only was it great to have um, us back together, but again, introducing uh, Ed Spaliers, who played Patrick Sunday. Fantastic. And Todd Stashwick, who was great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. American God's Ricky Whittle talked about his audition process for this series with comments from Ian McShane. I, yeah, well, I mean, I had five months, no. uh, the audition process, they put from, him through it. from the first beginning to, to actually uh, kind of the, uh, the announcement was about five months. It was a, it was a long old process of, of kind of every audition you could think possible um, because they, they had to adapt the character from the book. Um, so we, we, once they kind of liked my, 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 uh, what I was doing with it, my, my look, my, my kind of take on things. Then I worked with Brian and, and, and Michael to kind of mold a, the character that is recognizable and still the iconic shadow from the book, but something that translates to screen uh, better and easier for viewers to watch and want to follow. Um, a character that's more vocalized, asks more questions, that's more real. In the book, he's very internal. No one wants to watch a man think every week. Um, also, people don't won't attach themselves to someone who's so quiet and has nothing to say. So in the in the show, you know, Shadow's going to be a lot more outspoken. You're going to feel for Shadow more. He's got a he's still got a physical presence, but he's going to um, require more from Mister Wednesday. Um, this guy is the mysterious. No, no, I think it's because your character is the most difficult part. I think because the audience sees the show through his eyes. He's the sort of passive more a passive sort of non-reactive non character who everything comes through. So um, my character, you, you wonder why Wednesday, who is this sort of enigmatic con man, grifter, sort of charming, older guy, picks him up. As he said, well, he wants a bodyguard. He wants a bodyguard and a driver. Not that you do my driving. <laughs> I was in prison. I so I just didn't want to get caught by the police. You know, we have issues. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so it's the relationship is, you know, it's it's kind of, it was great because Ricky and I, they started with a, with a, the very first scene on the movie we did was the first scene Shadow in the movie. Wednesday first meet. Yeah, they first meet in the airport. So that was, it was kind of instant bonding and we're from the same town. We're from the Manchester. We're both from there. We're both support Manchester United. <laughs> Our football team. Dad actually played for Man United, yeah, which I'm still obsessed with. That's incredible. <laughs> But, but it's like, you know, you, you find out after that day. So it's very, you know, Rick and I found a great way of working together. And I think that shows on the screen. There's an easy rapport between us, which I think you need to have, because they ground the sort of show. You know, whatever else happens, they, their relationship grounds what happens with the show. And I think when Wednesday only gets pissed off when his wife comes back, which actually is another great addition because she doesn't figure in the book as much as she does in the TV show, but you know, in order to, in order to make a TV show, Jean-Luc Godard said, you know, it's a gun, a girl, and a car. So we had a gun and a car, but we didn't have a girl. So Emily completes that beautifully. But Wednesday's not happy because the attention goes away from me, and I want his full attention. <laughs> Why you don't know? But that's, but like with the show, everything is a reveal upon a reveal upon a reveal. And if any of you have read the book, you'll know what I mean. And if you don't know, you'll know you'll find out because I think we only cover what Rick 100 and 
20 it's, pages, it's a, in, the pages in the first book. In the first, it's not, it's not, it really, nothing. Like it really does have legs to go for years. Yeah. I mean, with Neil Gaiman re- uh, writing a sequel to American Gods as we speak, <coughs> uh, the spin off scene of Nancy Boys, Monica the Glenn. Am know, I in the am, am I in the you, you, You'll be in no. everything. <laughs> once, once people see. I literally this is, this is probably the best ensemble cast I've ever seen on TV um, never mind work, like on TV it's incredible and this guy I, you, you can quote me he's winning awards it's, it's he's incredible he, and I think anyone who's read the book literally says oh my god he's perfect for the role my mum cast him two weeks before he announced <laughs> she ain't get she is not she getting any percentage no 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 she was like do you know who would be a perfect Mr. Wednesday Ian McShane and then two weeks later bang he accepts the role and you know but that's what the, 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 the our casting department have, have done They, it's almost like, like the fans have been saying it's almost like they've been plucking these characters out of fans brains and saying okay we want this actor to play this and even when I start I was attached to the project from the very beginning I was the first cast so I had you know weeks and months um, and I started reading the book because I hadn't read the um, American Gods and I pictured Peter Stamar in my head and, <laughs> and uh, as Chernobog and I was like when he was he was cast I'm, I'm, I'm now a fan going yes exactly and that's exactly what we want but um, you know I'm the perfect um, kind of advertisement for the show. I didn't know American Gods. I didn't know of Neil Gaiman's work I, until I knew of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've seen Stardust. And, you know, um, but I, it was a page turner, a huge page turner. And then watching the episodes, um, we watched the first episode and Ian's first time he ever saw it was down in Texas at the South by Southwest. But after that, uh, Emily, Yatida and myself went to the offices and begged Brian and Michael and Loretta to to show us more and we sat there and we binge watched about five episodes in a row. Emily stayed a little little longer for for some more because she's just (laughs) insane. Um, No, we had had stuff to do but, and they weren't finished. I want to watch the finished pieces and, but uh, she was like, no, just show me everything. Show me everything right now. Um, But that's an excitement that, that that is amongst the cast that we want to make sure, you know, that that gets out there because it's it's an exciting project whether you've seen, uh, whether you've read the book or not. Gail Ann Hurd and Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead from San Diego Comic-Con 2019. That aired in 2020 because of COVID. And a very special thank you to Sole Venezia. Let's go. One of the things that um, that I feel is when, when Gail and Frank first developed the show, they took it to a couple places and people were like, you can't, you can't do a show like this on TV. Like, first of all, how do you afford it? How do you make the zombies? How do you do all these practical gags? And people kind of, they didn't get it and they didn't understand how it could be done. So between Fox and AMC, they were the ones that went, yeah, this is, this is something new and bold and different. And I feel like The Walking Dead really paved the way for a lot of great genre television now because now it's acceptable. Listen, horror horror at times was always considered lowbrow. You know, when Silence of the Lambs won Academy Award for Best Picture, nobody called it a horror movie. They're like, it's a psychological thriller. Because because there are times when horror has this lowbrow connotation to it. But then The Walking Dead comes along with great actors and great characters and great story. And all of a sudden, people are accepting of genre material. And, and, and I, then I, the number of people who said, who said, like, it's not about the zombies, it's about the people. And yeah. we've, been, we've been saying that from the very beginning. But now, now you know, the fans convince their friends, even to this day, that, you know, they've got 140 episodes to catch up on. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like, no, 
just just try the first one, you know? And it's by like the way, you know who wins? Chip. Everybody wins. Because then you get all these great new shows and all this, all, you know, it's sort of like, the, you know, I always go back and remember, like, I think it was like 1980, summer of like 80, 81, 82, and it was like... Aliens and Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Thing and like every summer all these great movies came out that just it's like Creepshow, Road Warrior you know like every summer you I was at the movies like every weekend seeing something mm-hmm. and now I feel like that's where we are with television there's so much amazing stuff out there that 10 years from now everything that we've been doing um, is just going to continue to explode and continue to provide amazing like material well, I love the fact that we we have Robert Kirkman's underlying comic book as you know. Well, but we're not we're not through it, and 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 I'll, I'll get to that. But um, but as an inspiration, as like a roadmap that you don't follow precisely, but you refer to to make sure that you're still on track. And and I love the fact that the way that he ended it. That it's hopeful that we survive the zombie apocalypse, that we have an opportunity to make a better world. And there's still some bad people in it, you know, and there's still some people that, um, you know, that that don't realize what a blessing it is to live in a world where you don't have to worry about you know, your survival day to day. And I think that's a great reminder for all of us. And I think that the, the show continues to be relevant um, because we are dealing with, we are dealing with a fractured world of people who are, are creating, you know, divisive groups. They're like the divisive groups that we have in, in the show in which they're, everyone thinks they're the hero. Everyone thinks they have the answer. And, uh, and the great thing about this season is we, we bring a lot of our disparate groups together to fight an even greater threat. Um, you know, and, th- th- and, and the greater threat is using fear as a weapon. Sci-Fi Talk Plus is a great podcasting gift, not only for yourself, but also for friends and family. Over 800 episodes, commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. Best part? It's free. Click on the link in the show notes for that free lifetime access. This is Tony Talato.